Well, good morning. My name is James. I'm the pastor at Christ Point Church, and I want to take this moment to welcome you. If you are part of our church family so much, thank you so much for gathering around your computer screens or television screens and watching uh, this message with family or a few friends. If you are new to Christ Point, I want to welcome you. So grateful for technology that makes this available to a watching world. Also want to encourage you, if you're watching online this morning, take a moment to say hello uh, to those people who call Christ Point home. Just uh, on the comment section on our YouTube channel, you can uh, say hello to your brothers and sisters. Let them know that you're watching along with them. Uh, well, as we get started this morning, I want to take some time to pray for you. And so please bow with me in a word of prayer. Father God, thanks so much for this opportunity to gather as your people. Again, we give you thanks for the technology that we have that allows us uh, to even be able to do this, to uh, hear from you, to walk through your word together, to know that there are other brothers and sisters, people that we love who are a part of our church family uh, who are doing this along with us. We, we give you thanks. Uh, for that. Uh, Lord, we pray this morning that your spirit would be a teacher and guide to us. I pray that you would form and shape us into the people that you have called us to be. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I have a question for you this morning. Is there anyone in your life who you thought by now would be a little further along than they actually are? You know, spiritually speaking, you thought by now they would be rounding third and heading for home, and yet it seems like they're still in the batter's box. Uh, do you know anyone in your life who you thought by now would be more uh, full of faith or more patient or kind or loving or generous or gracious? I want you to think about that person this morning. Do you have them in mind? If that person is sitting next to you right now at the kitchen table or on your couch, just go ahead and raise your hand real high up in the air where we can see them. No, don't, don't, do, don't do that. that. That would not be a good idea. I, I think if we were honest, we probably would be able to find someone in our lives who we thought, spiritually speaking, would be a little further along. Well, I have someone in my mind that comes to mind when I ask myself that question, and that person might surprise you. You see, the person who I thought would be a little further along by now, well, is me. You know, I thought by now I would be a little more patient and kind with my children. I thought by now I would be a little more sacrificial and gracious, more of a servant in my marriage, I thought by now that my faith trajectory would look a little more like the stock market the last 10 years and not the last two weeks. I thought by now I would be a little further along. Well, this morning I have hope for those of us who thought we would be a little further along. As a matter of fact, Paul gives us hope in Philippians chapter 1. And so if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me now. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. 
Paul writes to uh, the church at Philippi from prison. The church at Philippi, we read about in Acts chapter 16, it was essentially a predominantly Roman colony with a love and uh, a passion uh, really for uh, their place and for their culture and for their political alignments. And so Paul writes to this group and reminds them that we as followers of Christ are followers of King Jesus. And so you can imagine how his words landed on an audience that was really proud maybe of of Rome or the government of the day. Uh, Paul writes to this group and he says in uh, Philippians chapter 1 verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, uh, for, uh, or always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel uh, from the last day until now. So Paul begins his letter by giving thanks to God for the church at Philippi, uh, remembering them in his prayers with joy for their partnership in the gospel. I love that word that Paul used there in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 4, where he talks about this idea of partnership in the gospel. If you are a follower of Christ, then we are partners in this gospel work that God has given to us. I, I think there's no more appropriate time to remember this truth than right now. Uh, oftentimes in the church, sometimes we think that the work of gospel ministry is just reserved for a select few. Maybe the seminary trained or uh, those who know their Bibles forward and backward. Uh, those who are kind of the special Christian elite forces in the church. But Paul writes to this church at Philippi and says, no, uh, you all are partners in the gospel. I love what author Dwight Smith wrote in his book, Alone at the Top. He asks this question. He says, what if uh, the work that God is going to do around the world, he is going to do through all of his people? His words uh, land well, perhaps more than any other time in the history of the church, when we find ourselves in a unique time where the church, in many ways, has been scattered. We're unable right now to come together and to meet on Sunday morning and see each other face to face. And so the church is, is called and positioned to function in a unique way as the people of God. I firmly believe that God has you in a strategic place in your neighborhood and in your home, in your circle of friends to take the gospel out uh, to a world that desperately needs to hear words of hope in life. So Paul writes to this church and he says, I give thanks to God for you, remembering you in my prayers with joy for your partnership in the gospel. And then Paul's going to give really two main ideas in Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses uh, 6 uh, and, and 7. He is going to remind the church that God started a good work 
and that he is going to finish the work that he started. Uh, That's the first thing that we notice in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, that God started a good work in you. And the thing that you'll notice is that God initiated the work. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. Who is the he in this passage? Well, it's, it's God. Uh, God started a good work in you. That good work that scripture talks about is the work of God uh, forming and shaping us. Now, God changes us a number of different ways, right? He uses his word to change us. How many times have, have you read the Bible when you read a, a passage or a verse or a book that maybe you've read a hundred times before, but for some reason during that time and season in your life, it lands on your heart in a unique and a special way. Uh, God changes us through his word. Uh, God changes us through relationships. Think back to your life with God and think about how many times God brought an individual in your life to speak truth into your heart during a particular season. If you're not a Christ follower, maybe even now you can think of a a believer, a Christian, a Christ follower or two that God has strategically placed in your life to bring you to the point where you're even hearing these words preached today. God uses people to form and shape us. He uses life experiences to form and shape us. Think about our experiences that we're going through now where we're facing so much uncertainty as a nation or as a people. God's not oblivious to that. He's using these experiences to form and shape us into the image of his son, to to chisel away things in our heart that doesn't belong there and replace it with what is is good and holy. God also uses decisions that we make to form and shape us. Things that we say yes to or things that we say no to. How we order our days. uh, How we pursue the spiritual discipline. God uses all of those things to form and shape us. But here, Paul wants the church at Philippi uh, to know that Primarily, it's, it's God who's doing the work. God initiated the work. I am convinced that he who began a good work in you. Now, what's this work that God began in us? Well, we, we mentioned just a moment ago that this work is uh, transformation. It is, uh, to use a big theological word, it's sanctification. Sanctification is the lifelong process of us being formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. And so we, we think and we talk and we act like Christ. And can I ask you a question this morning? Do you believe that God is forming and shaping you? Do you believe that God is capable of changing people? Now, I ask you that question because I know for me, uh, sometimes it's easy to become cynical. I find myself thinking or even saying things like, well, you, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't change the stripes on a zebra or to use the famous line from Popeye the sailor man, I am 
what I am, and that's all that I am. In other words, we, we just kind of are who we are. And we're not really going to change. I mean, maybe there's some tweaks along the way, but hey, we kind of are who we are in life. Well, that's not what Paul is saying here to the church at Philippi. Uh, he is saying that God is able and capable and willing to change people into the image of his son. Remember, this is the same God that we read about in Scripture as the one who upheld the world with the word of his power. He's the same God who can part seas and wither trees. He is the same God who gives sight and sends foreign armies to flight. He is the same God who can multiply bread and who raises the dead. If God is capable and able and willing to do all of those things, then who says that God cannot change you? And who says that God cannot change uh, the one that you love? God can change people. He does it all of the time. I had a dear friend say to me a number of years ago, James, all things are little things to God. All things are little things to God. In other words, there is nothing that God looks at or nothing that comes his way where he's shrugging his shoulders thinking, well, that's a tough one. I don't know if I can do that or not. No, God changes a people all of the time. In this work, this work of sanctification that God does in us is heart transformation. Sanctification is heart transformation. It's not simply uh, a change in our, our morals, although that's part of it. It's not simply behavior modification, although oftentimes our, our behavior is changed by God. The work that God is doing in us is changing our hard hearts. He's taking a, a heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. He's changing our desires and he's changing our affections. God is in the business of changing you and in changing me. And he does it all of the time. Uh, so, so God initiates the work. Uh, the work that we read about in scripture is heart transformation. It's sanctification. And the other thing that we notice is that this is a good work. It's a good work. That's important for us to remember because oftentimes when God is forming and shaping us, it can seem as if it is not good because oftentimes it feels very difficult. Like how many times have we found ourselves in a situation or circumstance in life that we did not want to be in? Like if we were writing our stories, we would not write it this way. There would not be the plot twist along the way that we're experiencing now. And, and yet scripture says that this work is a good work. Listen to me, Christ point. God does not mess with his kids. He does not mess with his kids. Uh, he has begun a good work in you and in me. Uh, we also notice that this work is work, <laughs> It's not easy. It's not something that just happens as we sit back on our lazy boys and kind of take the world in. This work is actually work. In other words, it's, it's difficult. Like spiritual 
transformation, heart change is not easy. It, it doesn't feel like we are heading down a, a hill with the wind at our back. There are times when it feels like the wind is blowing in our faces and we're swimming upstream. I don't know if you've ever had uh, the joy of running on the beach before, uh, but I remember there are times in life when I've been on vacation where I've run on the beach early in the morning and I'll feel the wind at my back and I'll think to myself, this isn't so bad. Like it's not nearly as difficult as I thought it would be. The wind is at my back. Uh, my pace is pretty strong. It's quite honestly a little easier than I thought it would be. But, but then inevitably there is a time when I turn and I head back home. And all of a sudden, instead of the wind being at my back, the wind is in my face. And my experience is vastly different. Maybe right now you are having an experience where it feels like uh, the wind is in your face and your spiritual life or your transformation, your sanctification doesn't feel easy. It feels difficult and hard. It feels like you are going up a mountain with the wind in your face. I want to remind you and God is still working, and he is still good. And his work, although difficult, is a good work. It's also important to point out, as Paul does here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, that God is doing a uniquely good work in you. Right? We can say this collectively of God's people or collectively of the church, that God's doing a good work in you all, Scripture sometimes does that. It, it doesn't simply just speak to the individual. It speaks to kind of the collective church body, the capital C church. But I think it's important to note that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you are a part of that. You're a part of the church. And so listen, God is doing a uniquely good work in you. I don't know about you, but oftentimes it's easy for me in my own life uh, to look at the work that God is so clearly doing in the lives of others and wonder to myself, why is it that I'm so far behind that person? Or, or why is it that God is so clearly working in their heart and in their life, but it feels like he might be absent in mine? Paul writes to the church at Philippi and says, listen, God is doing a good work in you. I want you to know, even though it may not feel like it during seasons in life and sometimes long seasons, God is doing a uniquely good work in you. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 verses, uh, verse 10 says that we are his workmanship. Uh, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That word that is used for workmanship is this idea of a masterpiece. You, you are God's masterpiece. That, that's true if you're 12 or if you're 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. You, you are God's masterpiece. And he's doing a good work in you today. 
For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I I love this. I I love how Paul reminded the church that God's doing a good work in you. And I love the fact that he reminds the church that God finishes what he starts. God started a good work in you and he will complete it. I am sure of this, he says in verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This is good news that God finishes what he starts. Uh, This certainly is good news for me because I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life when um, I haven't finished all of the projects that I've started. Uh, have, have, Have you ever left something undone before? Have you ever started a project but not finished it? Uh, Have you ever on January 1st listed all of the things in your life that you're going to change and do differently only to like a week later realize that all of those things you started, you you haven't finished one of them. I remember when Melissa and I moved into our first house in the Charlotte area some 13 years ago, we were painting our master bathroom. And there was this one particular corner of the bathroom that was difficult for me uh, to reach. I know you can't tell by watching this video, but I'm not a tall man. And we did not have the right ladder for me to get to the corner of the bathroom. And and there was this little spot. I mean, you, you didn't even notice it unless you were there. It was probably the size of a quarter. And we painted the bathroom except for that one little corner. And I remember at first it really bothered me that I never finished it. I'm sure it drove Melissa nuts too, but I found with the passing of time, it bothered me less. <laughs> like I didn't pay as much attention to it when I walked into the bathroom. I laughed because a couple of years ago we sold our home and when we were preparing our house to sell, one of the things that we did is we went back to finish all of those projects that we never got around to finishing. (laughs) Isn't it funny when you go to sell a house, like you actually turn it into the thing that you always wanted but (laughs) never experienced or had? Like we did that. And so I remember crawling up and getting a ladder that worked and finishing that project that I had started like literally a decade before that time. Do you know that God doesn't leave any projects undone? He doesn't leave any projects undone. There is never a time when he looks back and he goes, I totally forgot about him. Or, oh, She escaped my mind. I forgot that I was working on her. He never does that. God always finishes what he starts. He is always, always involved in forming and shaping his people. There there is never a time where God washes his hands of his kids and simply lets go to let us fend for ourselves. A number of years ago, I was uh, teaching my daughter how to ride a bike, and we went up to her elementary school and brought her little bike. We had uh, taken the training wheels off, and uh, we put her on 
uh, the bike with her helmet and her elbow pads and knee pads. I, I wrapped her in bubble wrap. I didn't do that, but I wanted to. I didn't want her to scrape her knees or her elbows. She had on her little like bike gloves. And you know what it's like to teach a kid how to ride a bike. You sit them on there and you, you grab the back of the seat in the handlebars and you just kind of walk along with them and you pick up a little speed. Maybe you, you let go of the seat, but hold on uh, to the handlebars. And eventually you kind of let go of the handlebars and you slowly back away. I was laughing because on this particular occasion, Amelia kept asking me, Dad, you're not going to let go, are you? And I said, no, sweetie, I'm not going to let go. I'm, I've got you. I'm not going to let go of you. And then once she had her balance, what did I do? I let go. Right? <laughs> it may have seemed like I was a terrible person at the time, but I was trying to teach her. And sure enough, she learned. She did a great job. She picked it up pretty quickly. But I laughed because about a week after this experience, we were driving by uh, the elementary school where she learned how to drive or learned how to ride her bike. And she pointed at the parking lot and she said, Dad, look, that's where you let go of me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I've destroyed her. Like she's never going to recover. I'm going to have to pay for her counseling for years on end. Like she looks back to that experience and she's like, Dad, that's where you left me alone to fend for myself in the midst of the harsh conditions. I laughed when she said that. I thought to myself, do you know, do you know that God never lets you go? He never lets you go to fend for yourself or to figure it out. He doesn't kind of wipe his hands of you and go, well, I, I hope you can kind of figure out this spiritual formation thing because I'm done with you. I've, I've done everything that I can do. You're on your own now. God doesn't do that. The scripture says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Well, I read that and I think to myself, well, when is that going to happen? Right? Because it seems like I've been really patient uh, with God as he's worked on others, or I've tried to be patient as he's worked on me, but it seems like uh, where we want to go and where we are is miles in lifetimes apart. Well, Scripture says that this work will be completed at the day of Christ Jesus. It, it means, in other words, that uh, the work will be done uh, when we see Jesus uh, face to face. This is our hope as Christians and as followers of Christ, that this work that God began in us, he is going to finish one day. Uh, but today is likely not that day. Uh, that means if you're watching this and you're 14, well, God's still got some work to do in you. And if you're watching this and you're 44, God's still got some work to do on you and in you. If you're watching this and you're 84, but you have breath, well, God's still working on you. But one day, uh, this work will be completed. It's important to know that this work is a process. Sometimes we talk about it like it's always progress. 
Like we would love to be able to look back and always say, well, I, you know, I've crunched the numbers and I think I'm more godly today than I was six months ago or six years ago. No, spiritual formation doesn't always work like that. It'd be nice if we could say that the trajectory of our growth was like a fighter pilot, you know, a jet pilot or a rocket ship that just takes off. But oftentimes there are twists and turns along the way. But I want to remind you, God's going to finish the work that he started in you. I want to remind you of a couple things that I think this produces in us when we know that this is true. Uh, one of the things is that it produces in us a humility. And the humility comes from knowing that our lives are not a, a self-improvement project. And sometimes we walk around and we think to ourselves, boy, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Sometimes we, we divorce God's work in us uh, from our own decisions that uh, we make. And, and we think if we're going to experience anything in the Christian life, it's because we produce it and we do it. And yet this verse reminds us that, no, it's primarily God's work in us. And so what does this do in us? It produces a humility uh, because we are who we are solely because of God's grace in us. And so this produces a, a humility in us. It also produces a patience in us, at least it ought. Uh, and we're patient because we realize that God's still working, right? He's still working in our loved ones. He's still working in our friends. He's still working in our neighbors or our colleagues or the people that we know and love. Sometimes, I think especially in our Western world, we want results immediately. Like right now, we want our responses like yesterday. We want the work on our desk ASAP. Like we're so immediate with the things that we want and desire. And yet oftentimes spiritual growth doesn't work that way. It's a lifelong process. And because it's a lifelong process that produces a patience in us as we deal with a person that's staring back at us in the mirror, and it gives us a patience uh, with others. The last thing that this produces uh, in us is hope. We are a people of hope. This is not a cross your fingers kind of hope where we go, oh boy, I, I hope that tomorrow's better than today. Biblical hope is hope that is grounded and founded in our unchanging God. I love the verse that uh, Paul gives in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Christ's point, that's my prayer for you uh, and uh, for me that God would fill in your heart a gospel hope uh, that God uh, can be trusted, uh, that he is good. And, and so today, this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, whenever you see this message, my prayer is that the spirit of the living God 
uh, would grant to you patience and knowing that God is still doing a good work in you and in those you love. I pray that the spirit of the living God would grant to you humility, knowing that your life is not a self-improvement project, but God is working in you and through you, and it's his work. And again, I pray that God would grant to you this day a gospel-filled hope, a knowing that God is trustworthy and good. Listen, there are a lot of things that I do not know. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have been reminded of that time and time again, even this last week. There are many things that I thought I knew that I no longer know. But I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for the promise that you will complete the work that you have started in us. I pray that you would uh, use all of these means to shape us and to form us into the image of your son. Use your word, use uh, godly voices, use the decisions that uh, we make. But I pray, God, that you would uh, not allow us to forget that this good work that you started in us uh, is primarily your work. And so we give you thanks, Lord, that uh, even now you're working in us. God, I pray today that you would give your people faith and courage. I pray that you'd fill their hearts with your joy and your peace and grant to them hope uh, that is found in your son, Jesus. God, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, a couple of final words, uh, Christ Point, as we end our time together this morning. Just a, a couple of reminders uh, for you as you navigate your way through the week. One of the things that I've really been challenged by lately is just the importance of us uh, staying connected with one another. It, it sounds maybe insignificant or small, but that time on Sunday morning where we see one another for an hour and a half and we say hello and interact and shake a hand or give a friend a hug can be so life-giving for us as the people of God. One of the the, the things that I think God is calling us to do or challenging us to do as his people, particularly those who call Christ Point home, is for us to stay connected with one another. I know in a lot of cases that does not mean meeting together. I know that we, and many of us, are practicing uh, social distancing as we seek to get well as a community. Uh, but it's amazing at uh, how significant a phone call, a text message, or an email uh, can go in lifting someone's spirits to let them know, hey, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, and I'm just checking in. And so church, church family, I really want to encourage you, even this next week, uh, to go through your phone or uh, your address book and to find some folks who call Christ Point Home and send them a note, an email, uh, give them a call and say, hey, I just want to check in with you. Is there anything that you need? Is there anything that we can be praying about? Secondly, something that I've been really challenged by lately is just the practice of gratitude. 
Uh, a number of weeks ago, I started this morning routine in my, my own life where uh, part of this routine is doing this little five-minute journal. And it sounds maybe silly or insignificant, but uh, one of the things that this journal asks you to do is just to write three things that you're grateful for. And uh, that has gone a long way in just reminding me of the goodness of God as each and every day I start off the day and go, God, man, I'm, I'm grateful for for these things. I'm grateful for your church. I'm grateful for your sovereignty. I'm grateful for my children or my wife or the fact there's food on the table. God's been exceedingly gracious to us even uh, during times like this. And so uh, practice gratitude. Sit down with your kids and say, hey, what are some of the things that you're grateful for? What are some of the things that we can give thanks to God for? And then uh, lastly, um, I've, just, I've been blown away that God has strategically uh, placed us in an area where, I mean, many of us, not all of us, but, but many of us are strategically positioned to be able to bless those around us. Uh, we are a church kind of in the, in the middle of suburbia, and God in his sovereignty has sent just a lot of folks are our way that are strategically positioned to be able to bless those around them. And so I just want to encourage you and, and challenge you uh, to be a blessing to those around you, to, to be generous with your resources, to uh, see the things that God has given to us, not as something for us to store up, but for us to be able to uh, give uh, to others who are in need. And so uh, be generous in the days ahead. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in this morning. Uh, God bless you. And uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to doing it again. God be with you.